Hey, we're going to start. What's good, everybody? It's your boy, Sunny, and I'm back again with another episode of Sunny Talking. On today's episode, we got a reoccurring guest. We got Gaia. What's good, bro? Oh, another month. Just another wonderful day in paradise, man. Okay, good to, good to see you, man. How's it been since we last spoke? Uh, it's been, what, six months? Like Yeah, last about... October-ish? Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's been good. It's been chill. Uh, let's see. From there, I switched from being a manager. Now I'm a video editor, like part-time freelance. So that's fun. My, my Oh, schedule nice, is a nice. lot better and easier and nice. So I'm not tied down to like the normal nine to five crap, which actually was more like four to two. So anyways. Yeah, because you were working in an actual, like an actual regular job at the time when we last spoke. Okay, so now you are kind of, you're in the field that, that you want to be in somewhat, Yeah. right? Yeah, Okay. I've been doing it for myself for a while. And luckily, uh, working with a guy, his name is uh, Just Nate. He helps out homeless people. And so I help him out sometimes on hands-on stuff and then also with the video editing. Okay, okay, nice. That's what's up, bro. Hell yeah. I, I, I've started doing like video editing myself. With the little capacity that I have, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a top-notch computer or anything, but you know, I'm making it work. Uh, as of like right now, the the clients that I have, they're not asking for too much. I'm just sequencing the clips up and everything for podcasts. Simple shit. Hardest part is right now is like exporting and all that. It's not hard, but it's just time consuming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, word. But uh, before we get into everything, let the people know where they can find you. And give them a brief overview of yourself. Uh, as you can find me at sucias.xyz. Uh, that's my website. You can find my Instagram, Reddit. You can text me. You can email me. You can try to call. I won't answer because I don't recognize the number. But if you want to text and just shoot the shit about whatever, um, I usually focus more on like uh, life advice, dating advice, sex advice, that kind of stuff for men. Not like in the manosphere type way, but more of just being a better you. Not like, oh, hey, you need to do this and that and uh, try to fuck all the women you can. Just just be a better you. The woman will come. And uh, aside from that, I help out on Just Nate with a K. Uh, I help out on his podcast and on his short form stuff and YouTube stuff all over the place. So I do most of his video editing for him. He does some of the smaller, easier stuff himself. So just to give him more time to go out and help more people. So that's basically where you can find me. Okay, okay. And just now you, you were saying there's a, a platform that helps uh, homeless people and whatnot? Yeah, so he goes around just helping homeless people. Uh, he'll buy them whatever they need. He usually has always like tents, backpacks with some goodies that they need, clothes and stuff, uh, cleaning supplies, toiletries. And he also has uh, sleeping bags for them. And then if they need something, they want something to eat, they need a tent, they need a, a wagon, whatever little random thing they need, new shoes, he'll go out and buy it for them right then and there. Nice, nice. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, what made you get interested interested in this type of work? Uh, so the video editing, I just kind of been doing myself for my own podcast, which is on hiatus for like a long time now, but, uh, doing that, you know, I just enjoy just being able to be more creative because being in the trades as an electrician and working up to maintenance over into manager stuff, you know, it's just not the same. It's just like boring nine to five, same old, same old, uh, butting heads with different managers, trying to get things done and, you know, it, it's work. And I was having fun doing the video editing, doing stuff, being creative, adding little things here and there that only people that pay attention will notice. But, you know, it's just a podcast. Who cares? Excuse me. 
I so, definitely agree with that. Um, ever since I started like shooting music videos and doing, like just making content in general, I can't look mm-hmm. at a piece of content the same. Like I have to look at it like, okay, right. what are they, like what are the colors they're using? What's the what's the lighting? Or, or you gotta like, I try to find like oh little mistakes that they forgot. Yeah. So do you see do you do that first? Do you do do you look at it as an editor, or do you watch the content and then look at the editor stuff? Nah, I just look. I just think of it. And my brain goes automatically to edit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, you're looking at the cuts, the transitions, like, oh, that's a good pan, but oh man, they cut mm-hmm. it too soon or it was a weird cut. And then I go back and watch it. I was like, oh, hey, that's a good story. I should have paid attention to that. So yeah, I catch myself doing that myself. So I enjoy doing that stuff. So uh, it, the reason I ended up helping up Nate, we actually worked together uh, when, about five years ago, five, six years ago. And we were working at the same place. I was maintenance. He was an operator. And you know, we just kind of hung out every now and again, kind of kept in touch. And I started seeing that he was putting out content. I was like reaching out to him. I messaged his girlfriend because we were friends on, we we're all friends on Facebook. But uh, he had like blocked his page because he was getting too many friend requests and all this other stuff. And I was trying to reach out to him like, hey, look, I want to help you. Whatever I can do, I'll, I'll jump in. The reason I wanted to do that is because I was homeless for a couple of months back in 2011-ish, somewhere in there. And uh, the reason I don't remember the exact days because I've had a lot of motorcycle accidents. And so my memory is real fuzzy. Mm-hmm. And I know it was after I got divorced and before I moved to San Antonio. So it's like a small window that I know when it happened. Uh, anyways, so I was trying to reach out to him. Hey, man, I've, I've been homeless. I want to help out, whatever I can do. And we kind of touch, touch base and got caught up with like, hey, what's he's doing? What's his vision for the future? What he wants to do with the whole project? And I'd help him out here and there with random things in the background. And, uh, you know, he said, okay, now I'm finally making enough money. I can hire an editor. How much do you need? We kind of hammered it out. We, and we've been still kind of working it out, like what the pay scale is, because some projects are bigger some project you know it's it's usually about an hour's worth of content that i got to edit but sometimes in that hour there's like four different stories that i got to make four different videos for and sometimes that hour i got to make that into three minutes and condense it down like shit how am i going to get one story when there's a bunch of good stuff so that's been the the struggle okay which how do we pay each different thing out so that's been a struggle learning so you go you go as far as as you go, you're even going further than video editing is somewhat even producing. Like you're you're cutting out empty space and like mm-hmm. audio engineering and all that. You're doing the whole down basically. Yeah. And I want to move over into producing more just because the editing, like it's it's not as satisfying. I, I want to be a little more hands-on with it because of the project that he does or what he's doing. So I want to move over to that, but I got to find someone. We both got to find someone that we both agree with that I can train and then start helping out. So it's, it's a constantly evolving thing. But, uh, you know, it being in the creative space, I enjoy it. I do like being in front of the camera. So I do like doing interviews like this from time to time, instead of having to have my own schedule, like I got to put out something every week, blah, blah, blah. So that's just kind of been the struggle on top of video editing. Do I still want to do my own podcast again? So. Okay. And I, I remember some, you were, your, your podcast was usually like, it was mainly like your testimonials, like those short mm-hmm. stories that you would put out. And I know that you you, you usually got guests. Like, what, what what is causing you to not pursue it anymore? Like, why are you on such a high hiatus? Really, it's um, I feel like I'm t- I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over again, where I'm kind of like changing. Okay, well, if you do it this way, do it that way. For example, kind of like guys in general dating, like 
Um, I know that guys do this, girls uh, do that type of thing. Yeah, like, that kind of stuff. And you know, I can't relate in some ways to some of this younger generation that they've had anxiety and they can't talk to girls and this, that, and the other. Because the last time I remember not or being nervous to talking to girls was like middle school, and you know, it was basically some girl said like, "Ew, no, I don't want to date you," or "Ew, no, you're gross," or whatever. Basically, because I was brown and she was white, you know, she mm-hmm. was like, "Ew, you're dirty," like that kind of thing. And so instead of being hurt about it, I was pissed off and offended. Like, how dare you look down at me, bitch? And mm-hmm. so, you know, ever since then, I was I had this mentality or mindset: I'm going to be the best version of a guy that any woman would want. And so that was always been my drive. That's always been like, hey, fuck all of you. If you say no, fine, you're missing out. I don't care. And I'll just keep moving forward. And I know a lot of guys nowadays have an issue. Like, oh my God, she said no. Uh, I, I, I don't know what to do now. What, what, you know, what if every girl hates me and they keep getting in their head and I can't relate to guys that get stuck in their head to try to pull them out. Yeah. But if they can talk to girls, I can help you from there on. Like if you can go say, what's up, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. But you're not getting that success. You're not getting there. That I can help with, but it's still kind of the same thing over and over again. I'm still telling you, hey, just go talk to a girl. Learn to read body language. Learn to do this, that, and the other. Those are the basics. Then you can kind of, you know, figure it out on your own. You don't need somebody to hold your hand to do things. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, definitely. I get it. It's, it could be, it, it's definitely like um tough, like, not tough, but it's, it's a sense of, like you have to walk up kind of eggshells nowadays, like talking to certain people, because it's like you're an old school guy. Uh, me, I'm kind of in the middle of the age groups of like the old school and like the new school shit. So I kind of see it like, wait, why are you guys like, for lack of a better term, like so soft? Not soft, because I, it. That's why I say you gotta kind of walk on eggshells, because you don't want to belittle anybody's uh triggers or you get it or like their sensitivities and all of that. So I definitely get where you're like, oh shit, like why is this guy so like anxious and like shit? Like, bro, just go do it. Like, why are you making up a thousand scenarios in your head and you already failed before you even started, type of thing? Like, I definitely understand where that comes from. Well, so one thing I noticed is that, you know, yeah, younger girls, younger women, like I, I try to avoid women under 25, but it's kind of hard to tell these days. Like a 16-year-old looks 20 sometimes. And a 30-year-old can look 25. Like, it, it just, you never know. So whenever I find someone attractive, a woman, and go up and talk to her, like the the real, I guess, success stories or the best part of it is just stand 10 toes on whatever you say. Like, if you mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, you look hot in that, don't, she turns on you and says something like, oh, how dare you talk to me that way, blah, 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 blah. I was like, yeah, I'm fucking talking to you. I'm a man. I, I, I ain't scared. What is she going to do? She doesn't know my name. You know, unless she follows me to my car, gets my license plate, finds out who I am, and then goes through the whole thing of try to report me for um, what? It wasn't sexual assault, yeah. you know, it, freedom of speech. So, you know, what is she going to get me for? What's the worst thing that could possibly happen? Nothing. A, a cop stops me and tries to talk to me. Hey, why well, you talk? don't talk to well, her that way. Yeah, but well, nowadays it's kind of even tricky because like flirting nowadays is that like you're creating a unsafe work environment or hostile work environments. That's why you don't flirt at work. Don't shit where you eat. Yeah. The only time that that rule is kind of okay is if it's like you're under twenty five. It's retail or service. Like if you work in in um, uh, bartending, r- restaurants, whatever, any place that has a high turnover rate, even mm-hmm. Amazon. Like fuck it, just hit on everything you're not going to be there forever like if it's a dead-end job sure go ahead and try to hook up with whoever you can but generally avoid i avoid hooking up or talking to women at work because 
you're right. Nowadays, it's difficult. HR is always almost always going to be on the woman's side. The usually the biggest thing about HR is that human resources isn't there for you. It's there for the company to manage the resources that are human. Most people don't recognize it. Mm. Most people think, oh, I'll just go to HR and they'll protect me. No, they're protecting the company first. Always it's the company. If they can help you, maybe, sure, whatever. But number one is a company to keep them from getting uh, any liability. So that's, mm -hmm. that's something most people need to learn and understand. But as far as shooting your shot, it, that's why it's important to learn body language, learn how to do all the psychology stuff, not to manipulate women, but to recognize, hey, she's giving me a green light to come talk to her. Okay, go hit up her. Now, you might say the wrong thing if she tells you, not tells you, but gives you signs to come talk to her and like, hey, you know, the smile, the look, the wink, biting her lip, playing with her hair, whatever. She comes up to you or you're, she's asking you to come up to her. You go up to her and you say, hey, what's up? You know, you could say, you can be kind of smooth. You can kind of be blunt. Hey, I want to fuck you. That might not work. It's like a one in an 800 chance by my numbers, from my experience, like one in 800, that could work. But usually being smooth works better. So you can still fuck it up even when you get the signs to come over. So you still got to learn how to have a conversation with women, all these other things that you got to do. Instead of being in your head, learn just to be a better you. Yeah, and it's definitely circumstantial because it's nowadays is like we have those people, uh, men and women, that they, they're getting straight to the point. Like they don't even want to do the quarter phase or anything. They would probably go for that. Like if you say like, Oh, I just want to fuck nowadays. Like it's kind of like 50-50. You never know. She might be all the way with mm -hmm. that. Or she might be like, hey, you fucking creep. I I'm worth more than that. I'm, I'm more than just a fuck. You get it? So it's definitely like circumstantial though. But um we're we got into this. Uh, I'm just not realizing we like we got into this convo and we didn't really give like the people your background of like why <laughs> like why like these topics are important to you and like why you're somewhat uh experienced in this. So can you let them know like um yeah, so like your past I, and everything. I was an intercourse addict. I was getting it in, so in my late teens, so seventeen to twenty ish, I was getting it in every day, uh, multiple times a day. Now, this doesn't mean that I was great. I was badass. I was the best looking guy, or anything like that. I just had money because my mom had passed away. I'd gotten my inheritance when I was eighteen. Two, the internet was brand new back then. This was AOL. So the best way to describe it is like, imagine yourself now, how many people do you know that have a Tesla? And keep keep that number in mind or keep that picture in mind of the type of person that has a Tesla. And those are the type of people that had the internet back in the early days. You know, you had to have a computer. Not that many people had a spare $2,000 just to go buy a computer. Nowadays, 2,000 bucks is whatever, but you know, just a decent computer to be able to get online. It was about 2000 bucks. You had to have it at home. There was no mobile phones. There was no mobile anything. Cell phones were just for phone calls, no texting. Um, and so you only had really one place to meet other people. So there people were excited to meet people in real life. Like, oh shit, I met you on the internet. Now I'm going to have a friend in real life, like making new friends. So it was always that excitement of finding someone new and meeting someone just to talk to them. So just saying hi to someone online and finding out who they were, you were almost guaranteed for them willing to meet you in person if you weren't across the country. So I focused on just chatting with people in rooms that were in the Houston area. Uh, so that made it easy to find new people. That helped me learning a lot of game. Now, on top of that, my dry spells were like less than 12 hours. And this isn't like I'm hooking up with baddies. Like uh, it was mostly average looking girls, a couple of baddies, and a lot of unattractive women. Fat, old, ugly, didn't matter to me. I was just trying to Grenades. get Grenades. 
Yeah. Oh, and I wasn't even doing it for anyone else. This was just me just jumping on them by myself. Like I wasn't jumping <laughs> on a grenade for a friend. I was doing all this solo. Uh, and it was just all about me trying to get my numbers up. That That's all it was, was trying to get my numbers up because I was going to throw it in the face of my fiance who cheated on me, or I thought cheated on me. And uh, I was going to throw it in her face and I slept with the hundred women. And when I hit with a hundred, I was like, man, that was fast. That was easy. So I just kept going and devolved into me getting more into depraved stuff and into the kink scene and doing really fucked up things. Like, um, on average with the woman now that if I hook up with, like at a minimum, all three holes have to be open. That's, that's like open. Like before I even bother seeing if I want to hook up with you, then we'll try other things. And then it's okay. You got to be open to being tied up, being beaten, being spanked, being fisted, being pissed on all this crazy fucked up things. Not all of them, but at least one or two that, okay, you. So this is why nowadays I have a harem. I have a rotation because I can get, satisfy the different kinks that I fell into um, with one or two or three different women that I see every now and again and treating them as a human. Now that I learned that what my addiction is now I learned how to deal with it instead of just trying to fuck everything that moves, have a conversation about what's going on in my mind, what's going on with my feelings. And instead of trying to have my numbers up again, it's keeping in touch with women that I've been with. Because if you understand that women enjoy being used, enjoy being subjugated in the bedroom. They don't want to be treated like that all the time. And that's why I kept running through women because they'd get hurt or upset or bothered that I didn't see them as a person or I didn't treat them like a person. And, or that I didn't want to be, I didn't want them to be my girlfriend. I didn't want to be locked down to them. So then they just disappear like, okay, well, whatever, I'll find another one. But I had a relationship, I had a connection and we were doing things that I enjoyed. And like, now I got to go through the trouble of finding someone new and going through all these little things and learning the things that she likes, trying to get her to be interested in what I like or see if she's even interested in it. And oh, well, shit, there goes two weeks that I wasted with this one girl and going on and on and on when I could have been having sex with this first one if I had treated her right to begin with. So, okay. and that's where and my expertise the, comes from. Sorry. No, yeah, yeah, I can't hear you. Um, to that, get a little bit more deeper into that pause, um, do you feel like once you... Uh, divvied up your kinks and like not forcing one person to indulge in all these things do you feel like it, you had healthier relationships because like you weren't oh, forcing, yeah. even though you're not forcing anybody oh well i was still you're not forcing anybody but like you're not pressuring anybody to do something that just to please you you'll go find someone that's into that and then i'll go find someone mm -hmm. that's into this yeah so with my wife um so i'm also a widower my mm -hmm. wife passed away seven years ago, but we were together for four. And in that time that we were together, we were open to have threesomes. And so we had other women that come and play with us. So then I was able to have my primary, my main woman. Uh, and from there, other things that we were into, we would do together that, you know, we could explore and use other women however we wanted and kind of keep them in, in a little rotation ourselves. We had basically two other women that we'd play with with the frequency. And then roughly about a threesome every two months, give or take, just finding random women. And if we both liked them, then we'd see about maybe keeping her in rotation, so to speak. Um, and so then once she passed away, I was like, you know what? It's difficult to find everything you want in one person, especially for me particularly, because I have all these weird sexual deviants, uh, you know, deviations, these fetishes, these kinks that I like. And so it's difficult to find that in one person. And if I found that in one person, Usually with women, the body count thing, 
is an issue. Like people won't try to say that it isn't, it is, is that women don't can't connect to you. So they're always going to want something fine, better, something more. And men, my experience, they can have a higher body count. And we realize after a while, hopefully we can realize that, okay, we need to be pragmatic. We need to be a little more logical. I'm not going to find a 22 year old, big booty, Blasian, raised in Mexico, you know, all these different criteria that I want that's going to be into traditional gender roles. Traditional gender roles usually fall more into my age group or, you know, Gen X. Like those are the ones that are more likely to be into traditional gender roles, which is what I like. Long hair, hourglass figure, takes care of the home, all that other stuff. So finding a woman in my age group that's going to be interested in all these kinks is going to be few and far between. And then on top of that, trying to find a woman that doesn't have kids or her kids are out of the home. Cause I don't want to fucking deal with kids. I like walking around my house naked. I don't want to have to like, Oh shit, I got to get a towel. Cause your little kid might be awake right now. So, mm-hmm. um, I can be pragmatic and then realize, okay, I'm not going to get all the things I want physically in a woman. So what's important to me are the personality things and a couple of the physical things plus the sex. And, uh, Women generally want that whole laundry list of their things all the time. And they'll play with me for a while until they realize they can find someone else that has like two more check marks and go play with them and forget about me. And so that's why it works better for both of us for me to have kind of like a rotation of women that I can see from time to time. And if they're in a relationship or if they're wifed up or booed up or whatever, then I just don't see them for a couple of years. And then when they're free again, they might come back and see me or who knows. Yeah, and um, I feel like last time we talked, um, we didn't get it to your first wife because would you would you bet you the divorce? I was like, wait, you got divorced? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I've I've lived a lot of lives, man. It's it's been a lot. Um, and it's it's weird because because of my motorcycle accidents and and some concussions, TBIs, my memory is very fragmented. And so when I talk about certain things, it's like a totally different person. I I do know that I was married before the first time. And my first wife, it was just bad because I was still an intercourse addict then, didn't even realize it. And I I was honest with her in the beginning. I told her, hey, look, I'm going to have sex every day, period. If you want to be a part of that, that's up to you. And so she, oh, ha, 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 whatever. And then she'd get mad because I'd go cheat on her because she wouldn't give it up for like two or three days. I was like, fuck this. I'm not waiting around on you. So I'd go find somebody. Uh, We were together for nine years, eight and a half years. I think it was nine total and married for eight, somewhere in there. The first wife? Uh, The first wife, yeah. And so, you know, I I know I look good for age, right? And what, uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. What age is this? Like how old uh, are you? Oh, I was 22, 21, 22 when we started dating, Uh, got married a year after that. Uh, And then we got divorced when I was 30, 30, 31, somewhere there. Um, So most of my 20s was my first wife. And uh, yeah, so we were together and she eventually she got tired of it. Um, And it's funny because after she broke up, after we got divorced and then she had her boyfriend and having problems with him, you know, she mentioned to me a few times as like, I was a perfect husband. I just didn't keep it in my pants because, you know, I, I took care of everything, you know, everything financial, like everything, the man role stuff, fixing things, taking care of things, um, repairing, installing, whatever. She took care of the house, you know, cooking, laundry, cleaning, all that other shit. I took care of everything, everything else. And, uh, 
you know, whenever I plan things, you know, anything that we do together, I plan things to do as a family. Like we're going to go together. We're going to go do X, Y, and Z. I did planning for like major things. Right. And uh, she was upset that her boyfriend would like just go on random guys trips. Wouldn't even tell her nothing, just disappear. And then when she finally texted, Oh yeah, Hey, I'm uh, over here with the boys. We're camping or we're fishing or whatever, you know? So she didn't have the connection that she wanted. And so anyways, that was no, kind probably of, even um, really her, like me, me uh, assuming that mm -hmm. guy was probably cheating on her too. And he just wasn't, he just wasn't letting her know. <laughs> well, Especially if he's going on random guy trips. Like what the fuck? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, not to throw was, him under um, the bus, but you know, <laughs> who knows? It, it, it's possible. All I know is that uh, he was like a middle school friend of hers, and you know, they were always that that you know that one relationship that you know you're in a relationship, they're not, and back and forth, and you keep missing each other. So there was kind of that. She got fed up, fed up with my shit, and just kind of went to him or fell into his lap. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but she never stopped to think, how come his relationships only last like a year or two? So whatever. Um, which was I, I in hindsight I find funny. And so they're not together. It was anymore. a cheating thing. Oh no, they broke up uh, a while ago, and then she tried to get kind of get back in, but by then I was already with my wife or my second wife, and so she was trying to like, um, oh, and, see and, if there was a chance. And uh, and um, I'm assuming that she wasn't able to join your group because of your your poly relationship. No. So she would hint at it and then kind of back up as like, no, I never do anything with you because you're, you know, you're an asshole or she doesn't want to get attached again and have feelings. And she would kind of play that game of like, well, I don't want to do anything because if I have feelings for you, I don't know how you're going to feel like Psh, I'm not going to have feelings for you again. Like our feelings are here. Like this is where they end. I'll fuck you all day and right. And that's kind of a, a piece of advice I got my from my father was uh, I got two good pieces of advice from him. One was never redate an ex. Fuck them all you want, but never date them again. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's good advice. Um, okay, so it never really got to that point. She was just no. around, kind of, but probably whatever. Okay, and, and you know we were like three hours away because uh, she was in Houston still, and I'd moved to San Antonio, which roughly about a three-hour drive, four depending on traffic. Okay. Okay. And uh, for anybody that wants to go do some like more research on Gaia, you could go check out the original episode we did on Sunny Talk is available on all the audio platforms. I believe that was episode number four. It's called mm -hmm. Roller Derbies and uh Intercourse Addiction. <laughs> Where so can we get into a little bit of the roller derby just to give a brief uh uh like run through like Roller derby because this is something else. Are you still involved? Are you still doing it? Last time we spoke, I know you were somewhere. Yeah, involved. so so now I'm only doing once a year where I go to RollerCon. It's a convention where mm. skaters meet up and come play, and it's mashup games. Excuse me. So mashups are just random skaters just kind of thrown together. A lot of states or a lot of teams have their own uh, annual mashup game. It'll be like a mashup uh, summer game, Fourth of July. Uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, you know, kind of fill in, fill in the gaps for empty games that they have. And so mm -hmm. skaters from the area or within a, a driving radius will come in and get assigned at random teams and just kind of play each other for charity or whatever. Nice. And the game itself is basically five girls at a time or on, on two different teams, uh, kind of racing against each other to, or two of them from each team will race against each other to score points. A uh, point is opposing team skaters. 
and the job is for one team to block the skaters, let their jammer through and block all the other pos- opposing team from coming through. So it's engaging that way, just going around in a circle. It's hard to follow because there's no ball to keep track of. So it's kind of like, okay, well, what am I looking at? And you have mm-hmm. to watch it two or three different times to kind of get an idea for it. Um, it it's its own subculture. Uh, you can meet anything from doctors to waitresses to lawyers to um, bartenders, you know, whatever. It's, it's everything in between from clean cut to tattooed, mohawks, colored hair, piercings, all kinds of stuff. So it, it's a whole range of different people that you're going to find in that. And uh, I originally started off as a referee and it was more of just kind of me finding something to do, be activist and, and just kind of, you know, stay healthy like just find something to do besides just going to work and then from there i kind of moved over into announcing which kind of also led into the whole content creation type stuff not from roller derby just kind of like like being on the mic like being a personality in front of the camera or in front of people so and also i was a dj on the side and i could also dj at roller con so it's kind of like me going out to just hang out with a bunch of friends make new ones and have fun once a year nice that's what's up hell yeah and uh, something that I just realized that we didn't really talk about, and you just reminded me when you said that you were doing the reference, uh, we didn't talk about uh, like the male aspect. Do, do males actually compete also too? Yeah, there's a, there's male roller derby. So the peak I would say was probably 20, 2013 to 2015. It was like when they had the most, most roller derby going around, just to speak. Uh in every city, every major city had probably two to four teams and little small towns that were within 30 minutes away would also have teams. And after COVID, everything kind of dropped down, but those were women's, mostly women teams and men were involved. Men were usually referees or non-skating officials. And then skaters that would get injured would also end up becoming non-skating officials. They're the ones who kind of do the stats, point scoring, keep track of penalties, um, work the penalty box, work the timers, uh, and, and all the little f- official stat stuff that go behind the scenes. And eventually some of the skaters like, eh, you know, I'm getting older, I'm getting hurt, or I got hurt like four or five times, I'm going to just stay as an NSO. So they stay as a non-skating official. And there's also men's teams, but the men's teams are roughly now one or two teams per state, whereas the women's usually have 10 to 100 per state, depending on the size of the state. And uh, like Nevada has, I think, four, and Texas has a couple dozen. So it just depends on the state and how populated they are, too. And, you know, it, it's fun. Uh, there's You're going to meet all kinds of people there. And the cool thing about the sport, at least with the, well, both men's and women's, and there's also co-ed, too, uh, where men and women play together uh, on each team. But the fun thing I love about the sport is that after the game – more often than not, there's going to be an announcement of an after party, Hey, or even in the flyer, or uh, when you walk in, hey, the after party is at such and such bar, usually a sponsor. And, you know, you can go to this after party and talk to all the skaters and make friends with them. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of cool because um, at least when I got started back in 2011-ish, 2012, after, after I was homeless, um, when I got started in roller derby, I met a lot of people, especially going to RollerCon. And so now I'm friends with people that when they were nobody, now they're superstars. They're kind of not the Michael Jordans, but they're big names in roller derby. And so whenever I have a friend or make someone new and they're like, oh, hey, you know, so-and-so is badass, you know, Peace War, Freight Train, all these, you know, big name celebrities. Oh, hey, you want to talk to them? I'll text them for you. You know, just shoot them a text or 
uh, call them up and hey, you know, someone over here wants uh, when I'm at uh, RollerCon. I'll call them up. Hey, you know, where are you at? You know, I got a, a fan that they want a, an autograph or want to take a picture with, with you or whatever. And mm-hmm. it just kind of blows people's minds that me, that's kind of in the background because I'm just an announcer and don't really know or get too involved with things that uh, I know these celebrities, quote unquote, and can just introduce them. Yeah, nice. And um, I know we've spoken it a little bit last time, but um, how are people getting paid? Because I know you said, I think it's last time you mentioned, like, sometimes there's sponsors in here and there. But, like, I was thinking about, like, the, the, non, the non-skater officials, like, um, how are they getting paid? Like, are they, it's just volunteer work. At it's, that point. it's all volunteer. Nobody's, nobody's making money. Um, best case scenario is you have your year paid for and maybe like a hotel room or, you know, and so the way the superstars kind of make money is that they hold uh, coaching events. So mm-hmm. uh, a team will hire them, have no idea what the numbers are, but hire them for, I don't know, one or 2000 bucks to come out they'll pay for their flight they play for their hotel maybe their food or whatever to come to their town and then host a boot camp to teach them basics or teach them advanced skating techniques or blocking techniques or all these different things and different skaters have different specialties like some are better at blocking some are better at jamming which is skating through the pack and making the points um others are kind of uh mix up the two they can do both things and so they host their skating events to be able to do that or uh, they are part of a travel team and they have to do their own fundraising to be able to travel. So everything is out of pocket. It's all just love for the game. There's no money involved. Nice, nice. So, so basically whatever, cause it, there's a, you have to pay admission, right. To get into these events. Right? Mm-hmm. So everything just goes back into the actual event. Goes yeah. Into- it goes back into the hosting thing because the teams have to pay or rent uh, practice space they have to rent the venue to have the the day of the game and so that's where the sponsorships come in that's where um fundraisers come in all these different things that they got to do to just keep the thing afloat now there's very few there's one team that i'm aware of in uh, victoria canada just uh, a little bit northwest of seattle is that they're profitable like they have i mean money coming in from left and right they can afford the league pays uh, the flight and hotel for their team to travel across the country because they're in Canada. So they can't drive a lot of places. Most of them, they got to fly to to play. And, you know, the, the the team or the league pays for them to travel and do a lot of other stuff. But they also have to put in work to do volunteer stuff, fundraising. They've got a um, a deal with a local beer company where their logo's on the beer that, you know, they get a piece of the proceeds on that. They're on uh, the PBS channel doing stuff there. So they've got deals everywhere. And I've been trying to get them to do like a class on how to teach other leagues to be profitable because there's been other teams that are huge and they fall apart because they don't have the money to take care of the team to keep things going. So then they just kind of disappear. And COVID really showed what teams could and couldn't keep the fundraising going. Mm. Mm. Um, it's, I mean, it's tough because it's like, if there's no real money coming in is like people get discouraged to keep it going and like that's always going to be like the first expense that you're cutting off even like a even the guy that really is into it but it, mm-hmm. during COVID it's like hey man I'm not gonna do it bro I gotta save this money who knows what the situation was out of job or whatever maybe got sick like, I don't know yeah I mean it's been tough uh you know there there's like I said there were hundreds of teams 
for, and this is worldwide too. This isn't just in the US. Uh, there's been three World Cups. Uh, like every two years, three years, they have a World Cup. There's supposed to be one during COVID, but it got canceled. The last one, I think, was 2018. Unless there's been another one since, I haven't kept up with it. Just because I only go once a year to RollerCon. So I don't pay attention to the news like I used to. But, uh, you know, now there's maybe 300-ish teams worldwide uh, versus, you know, almost a 1,000. So. Oh, shit. Damn, that took a big hit. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, damn. So what was, the, what was the last event you went to? Uh, RollerCon last year, which is usually the third week of July. But uh, it's been moving around, especially COVID. Every, COVID affected everything. So things get pushed around. I think last year was middle of august this year it's going to be second week of july like the 10th through 14th somewhere in there and they're always in vegas nice okay so it's always in, like at least the world champ oh the cons the, the, the roller con yeah okay and the the world championships they is where it's kind of bounce around um okay. the first one was in dallas i think the second one was in the uk i forget where the others are so yeah, that's what's up though. At least, at least it, it helps. But and you, do you usually see the same faces every convention, even though it's in different states? Uh so for the conventions, it's kind of a core group of people that keep the thing going and friends with, you know, the some of the management there. And of course, there's people that keep coming back. There's some people that just come just to see their friends again. That they don't skate, they don't play. They just come and hang out, watch a bunch of games, see their friends. And of course, you know, there, there's a lot of events after the fact. So it's just skating during the day, skating in classes. And afterwards, every day, there's a different party. There's a, one that's based by, or sorry, sponsored by Rydell, which is a skating skate boot company. And they host uh, every year, it's a theme party. So they'll give you like advance notice. Hey, this year's theme is carnival. So then you kind of wear a carnival type uh, outfit to the mm -hmm. party. Um, some of them are like eighties neon disco, you know, just every year it's a different theme. And so, you know, the, usually there's like a, uh, best costume, best group costume, whatever prizes this year. I don't think they had one or last year. I don't think they had any prizes, but they did have a theme, but, um, yeah. So the, the people that come there, you know, there's always new people coming in cause there's new people in roller derby and they come in for the first time. Other people come there. It's their second or third or multiple times they've gone. Yeah. So it's kind of always like it's is a community. I get it nice. Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely community. It's definitely like family, and you know, a lot of times people are more connected with their derby family, which is what we call it, versus their real family. And another kind of little side note about roller derby is the spouses of people or boyfriend or significant other people that are dating derby players are often called derby widows because they're they're skater partner is always doing something roller derby it's either practice two to six days a week uh which is after work so your your partner goes to work and then goes to roller derby practice and then they come home they're too tired to do anything so they go straight to sleep and then at least once a month there's a game so that takes up all day saturday friday saturday or sunday and so you have very limited time with your partner and the only time you're going to see them is if you volunteer. So that's where a lot of the NSOs kind of come from too, where they come in and volunteer and help out to be able to spend time with their partner because otherwise you're not going to see them or end up single. Wow, I mean, yeah, that's a lot. I feel like that could, that that's, seems like a roller derby starts a lot of fights at home. 
Uh, I don't know. Um, I just I just know it's a thing called Derby Widow. I just happened to be in roller derby anyway. So whoever I dated or in roller derby, we were always yeah, there you're anyways, both so. into it, yeah, yeah. So okay, I wanted to ask: Have there been any uh new developments in your supernatural life? Like any new oh. events? Um, I'd been having some kind of lucidish dreaming. Mm. Um, uh, and it's, it's funny because I, there was a long period of time, I'm talking like 15 years that don't remember dreams. I'll wake up and remember, oh, I was at a party. Why was that at a party? Like, it's just like one little thing, like the last thing I remember from the dream, I wake up and then forget about everything else. And now I'm having more memories about the dreams and kind of reliving things that I've gone through in my life and just kind of like, I guess, exploring what could have happened or getting a little more detail of what actually happened. So I've um, been trying to open up my third eye, but everything you find online, everything I found online hasn't been able to help me to like just get there mm -hmm. consistently and do it on my own. It's just random dreams that are kind of helping me out there. But I still have that, um, the best way to describe it is like a spider sense is to not drive a certain way or take my time before I leave my house because I feel like there's a car accident or some type of traffic thing that's going to hold me up. So I just don't leave the house until later than I plan to or take a different route to get out of my neighborhood. And there's been a few times that when I come back home, if I'm doing a short, quick errand, I'll come back the route that I would have gone. So I like work my way out of the neighborhood, the back way, go run my errand and then come back on the freeway and when I come back on the freeway, I'll see like a traffic pileup, a big bad accident, bunch of car uh, paramedics, first responders that are there taking care of it. And it's kind of like a, a weird feeling of like, hey, see, that's why you didn't go this way. That's why you shouldn't have gone this way. That could have been you. So um, that's the best, easiest way I could try to explain that. Okay. And um, just to give the people uh, a little history of like some of your past experiences, like I know you... um. You ch would you say that you channeled your great your grandfather when you were younger? I don't remember if I channeled. I just and I don't even remember it because like that's forever ago. We're talking mm -hmm. forty plus years ago. Uh, so I was four or five, and according to my father, who told me years later that I basically had a conversation with my grandfather and told my father, "Hey, you know." Um, your dad says X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 to do this. And he's proud of you or something, whatever. And my father told me that it freaked him out because, you know, how the fuck do I know these things that only him and my, and his father knew? Like it was only a conversation between them. So the second thing is my grandfather passed away before I even was born before, before my parents even met my father, my grandfather passed away. So there's no way I could have met him, known him, talked to him, whatever. So there's no way I could have known the things that had happened or that whatever, that conversation happened. And um, so I, that's just kind of like a story that I don't recall. But I do remember a couple of years later uh, doing something that kind of freaked out one of my aunts. And it was one of those things that only my grandfather would have done. Because what kid gives a shit about having sticky fingers? And I'd ask for a pickle on a fork so that way my fingers wouldn't get sticky. And uh, that was apparently my grandfather's... Uh, pet peeve, cork, whatever. He hated having sticky or dirty fingers or hands. And so uh, 
me asking for a pickle to not get my finger sticky freaked out my aunt and she shook me and kind of got after me like where did you learn that who told you that blah 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 so that i remember and so it kind of ties together with the whole thing about my grandfather and i think at least my adult mind processes it as okay I got in trouble for talking about dead people. So now I'm not going to talk about dead people anymore. And that he's kind of lost it because I stopped either talking or stopped accepting it or stopped acknowledging it. So that's what I think happened. Mm -hmm. Who knows? No, that's super interesting. But I mean, you also had another situation when you are, when you're near death experience, near death experience where you are. Oh yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I had a near death experience a couple of years ago or a couple of years ago. It was um, 2008. 2009 head-on collision with an 18 wheeler and kind of the typical seeing my life flash before my eyes but instead of it flashing it was just like watching a bunch of tv screens um like a, a security room setup of every little camera or every little screen was showing a different thing that happened in my life or a tv series that i watched and i remember watching like that whole day of that one thing that happened and then every little thing that happened every tv show that i watched I remember seeing like everything that happened that day in each each video and watching the entire series in each video. So it felt like it was maybe two months had gone by, but at the same time, it also felt like a snap, like super fast. Uh, so when I woke up, maybe two or three minutes had passed by when I you know sat up and someone was yelling, oh my God, he's dead, he's dead. I thought that I crushed somebody between my motorcycle and the 18 wheel that hit me. Uh, but they were talking about me or they thought I was dead. And uh, that was the last major one, like the or at least uh, near death experience I had. That's the only one I've had. I had a lot of motorcycle accidents that I should not have walked away from. Uh, I've had a bunch of times where I nearly drowned as a kid. Uh, so something I feel like has been protecting me all these years. And yeah, the, uh, um, the first, the first, sorry to cut you off, but the first no, no, no. Uh, accident that you, um, described just now was that the one where you where your body was lifted up in the air mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so mine that was uh from because it, it ended up being a lawsuit so there was uh eyewitness statements or whatever and one of the things that sticks out is one of the women said it looked like someone grabbed my leg and slept pulled me away so um if you're watching and not listening imagining grabbing a doll like by the leg and she said it kind of looked like this but no hand is holding me it's just like the, the i just got like pulled and flipped over so it, it, instead of the trajectory of getting hit by the 18 wheeler and falling back it looked like i flipped over in an arc mm. and so uh again that kind of just gives me the idea that hey maybe something is protecting me on top of that after i was doing some podcast episodes and being interviewed and doing interviews uh there's a couple of people that i've talked to that are clairvoyant and when i said something it kind of triggered them so they would stop say okay look i need to stop this conversation there's things around me that tell me you need to open up because they want to talk to you and supposedly there are entities around me they couldn't say whether it was family whether it was uh some type of deity or some type of uh you know supernatural thing they couldn't tell what it is but there's a bunch of things around me that want to talk to me that want to get my attention and want me to be able to communicate with them what they want to say to me no idea but there was like two different occasions where that kind of kind of came into play where they're like okay people want to talk to you you need to open up you need to do this 
That's interesting. Sorry. I'm sorry. But it's um. It's interesting that you say that the the entities are like around you and you feel like um they want to get your attention and stuff. I had another guest on the podcast last season and he um he was also explaining in a situation how he feels like that the entities follow him, like everywhere he goes and wherever he lives at, like <laughs> when he goes to work, that's when stuff happens. Cause he and and um he had a he had a girlfriend that was kind of into that type of stuff and she would say she told him that basically like they're angry when you leave like you're supposed to be here to keep them kind of in check. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I haven't had anything like that extreme. I'm and who knows? Uh, I don't have anybody at home to tell me. Oh, hey, the house is doing weird shit when you're gone. But uh, the the only thing I know is I've had. Three different people tell me, well, two tell me that I have entities around me and one girl that I was, you know, hooking up with, uh, she took like two, too many gummies. Like she thought she got the dosage wrong or whatever, but she was stupid high. And so, uh, she was talking to me and she was basically telling me that she was talking for someone. And this is a white girl. Right. So, so white girl doesn't know about anything about Latin American culture, Latin America, or very little through what she experienced being Mexican food, like whatever you get through TV, that's all she knew. And, mm. um, basically she described that Santa Muerte was talking to her. She had no idea the name. She just knew that her entity looks like this, looks like Santa Muerte and was answering questions that I had kind of made. Uh, in my mind, quietly, never said this out loud, never wrote it, wrote it down, never told anybody else, just kind of praying to myself every night, trying to do that meditation to open up my third eye. And it, I said something effect of, you know, I'm here, I'm open, I'm not going to be your vessel, but I want to learn if anybody's here to uh, guide me and teach me how to see the astral plane or see the other side. I see, you know, kind of changing my wording around to kind of like, hey, what's the key word to get someone to help me mm -hmm. or some entity to be my spirit spirit guide to just kind of see the other side. And um, I forgot what I'd, I'd asked. Um, and this, this girl, she basically said, her answer is yes, she will help you. And I'm like, help me with what? to your question. And she's saying this all high and real groggy and to your question. So just trying to streamline it. Yeah. And so I kept kind of asking her questions. What are you talking about? What do you mean? And every answer I got was basically, you know, dumbass, I will help you get to the other side. But basically I would have to kind of bind myself to her. So I was like, mm, no, I'm not going to just bind myself to some entity. I don't know that enough about. And then I did more research and mm -hmm. It, it could have been beneficial, but as, as Latinos, you know, you know, Santa Muerte can be like very helpful. And if she just gets bored with you, fuck you, you know, I could end up in prison yeah. or dead. So like, eh, I'm good. I want something that's going to be a little more beneficial for me. So. Nah, yeah, definitely. I feel like there's like, especially, I don't know, because that guy that I was talking about, he's, he was also a Mexican. Well, like, or partially Mexican, right? And, um. It's something about like uh like certain Latino cultures like we I don't know if it's just like 
we just been dealing with so long, but it's like it's very common in like our culture, like to to see these things. Like I remember like growing up, like my grandma had a friend that was like a witch or whatever. Like I went to her house and she had like a list of of fucking like spell like prices for different type of shit. Love spell or this you get it, like all types of weird stuff. But um <laughs> so I, I wanted to get into like what are the things that you're doing now? Like like what are the things that's keeping Gallo like entertain now like what look at the people man. expect of you <laughs> um man i'm i'm just old and boring now it, it's just more of what i get in the mood for um you know every may, maybe nine months to a year and a half i'll decide you know what i'm gonna play a video game but i don't beat it um it took me four-ish years to beat spider-man so it came out on ps4 bought it after once it was available at GameStop. So like two, three months later, bought it, used, played it for like three weekends, um, left it alone. Then when I went back to play it earlier last year, the last save was like 2017. So it had been like two or three years before I stopped playing it, played it again, finally beat it. But there's, so it's just kind of, I'm, um, I'm very mercurial. Like I just get a whim to try to do something. I'll do it for a while and give it up. Like I have a bunch of hobbies and projects. I have, uh, fountain pens i was into fountain pens for a little while um okay i'm, so I'm you, into you guys I'm, with the calligraphy oh yeah yeah yeah. i had uh on my instagram i was doing stuff playing around with calligraphy and writing quotes and stuff that i had in my life doing that and i got bored with it i quit doing that uh, i have a sewing machine i have a serger um i've been building a quilt for eight years now i got a novel i've been doing for 20 years never mm. finished so i just Every few years, I'll do like two or three chapters and then go back and rewrite it two years later, two years after that, write another chapter, six months later, rewrite it. So it's just, it's just what kind of like on a mood. I'm, I'm just very mood based and whatever I feel like doing, wanting to try, I just go out and do it because I want to try something new. And it's usually that's kind of my driving force. Like what interests me? What's new? Um, most of the time I just spend learning random bullshit. Like I'd be great on get Jeopardy, just random facts that nobody knows or history or whatever, just because I want to learn stupid shit. So what are some of the rabbit holes you've been going on lately? Like, as oh, far as history, man. They... Okay. 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 Ra rabbit hole history. Um, so part of basically Iran, the problem that we're having with Iran in the middle East is, um, the fault of the United Kingdom and the United States going back to the late 1800s. Basically, it it all boils down to uh, oil. Um, mm -hmm. It's always been about oil and the UK trying to fuck over the Middle East. Um, originally, the UK uh, had a deal with the, the Sultanate, not the Sultanate, not the Caliphate. What was it called? I forget. But the, the leader of Iran uh, back in the late 1800s, he was an opium head, just super an opium. And... The leader, a, the leader of Iran, basically. And he he made a deal with the UK where they got 16 cents on the dollar for every piece of oil or every bit of oil that left the country, where normally the deal is 50-50. Um, they realized that fucked uh, the UK, said, fuck it, the oil's ours. And UK went to Roosevelt when he was running for president and said, hey, um, we'll help back you because we want, how about helping us get some oil? Like, oh, no, no, we, we were, um, sorry, not Roosevelt, Eisenhower, Dwight. Um, Eisenhower was like, no, I, I got you. You know, you were our allies during the war. You helped us out. I'm going to take care of you. So he goes in, gets the CIA in its infancy to overthrow the Iranian government. 
and kind of force them or trick them into um, giving up their oil. But the U.S. kept the deal. And then Iran ended up being called um, the shopping mall of the Middle East because it was little America in the Middle East for the U.S. where they just kind of had their fingers in everything. And Iran was actually pretty progressive in the 60s. It was very um, open and liberal. And if you can find older pictures of Iran in the 60s, uh, it would look like America would just people with Middle Eastern features that they're just, you know, uh, women in, in in colleges, women learning things, women doing things, women wearing short skirts. Now you don't see that anymore because the theology and theocracy kind of took over and said, see, you can't trust America. They're going to fuck us over. And they took over Iran. And we almost had a chance to get it right again with the, with Iran. Um, after 9-11, Iran said, hey, we had nothing to do with it. Some of our commandos and special forces um, have dealt with the Taliban we will have them as your advisors to help you out. We will do whatever it takes to help you get rid of the Taliban because they didn't have the resources to do it. And George Bush uh, Jr. Um, came on the news and said his famous quote about uh, there's a oh, crap, not can remember it, but basically there's a history of uh, terrorism stemming from North Korea to the Middle East and Iran, specifically naming Iran. And then the theocracy were like, see, see, you can't trust America. They're going to fuck you over. So it started a whole thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, history in that sense. Um, anyways, okay. so I, I can get nerdy. Sorry. No, no, I, I, I fuck with it. I fuck with it. It's very interesting. I note that America, but it's a common theme. Like if you dig deep enough, you always find America's evolved and everything is fucked mm -hmm. up basically or going around in the world. <laughs> I mean, a crazy conspiracy theory is that everything falls under Rome, London, and D.C. Mm -hmm. um, in the 1300s or 13th century, uh, the Pope issued some kind of edict that basically, because he's the Pope, he's in charge of all the souls in the world, even mm -hmm. wherever, even where we don't know that there's anything going on. Like, they didn't know about America back then, or at least... Uh, Rome didn't know anything about America, but they basically said, we had dominion over every human soul on earth. Um, the UK being the largest, um, monarchy had its thing. Then we had, uh, our civil war, or sorry, our, um, revolution. And in the treaty of 1783, some treaty late 1700s, basically the United Kingdom acknowledged the sovereignty of the United of the U.S. states. So each individual state had named it. Okay, we recognize the sovereignty of blah, 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 all these states. But the United Kingdom did not recognize the sovereignty of District of Columbia. District mm. of Columbia is under the control of the legislative branch of the United States. So even though we have three branches, executive, judicial, and legislative, uh, Congress, President, and uh, uh, Supreme Court, uh, they kind of work together. That's the United States of America. However, that's the Republic. However, United States as a corporation, that corporation mm -hmm. is ran out of DC, which controls the rest of the United States through zip codes. That's a whole conspiracy theory. And I'll make it real easy for you. Start saying the Pledge of Allegiance. If you say it in your head or say it out loud, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands. Mm -hmm. That's telling you there's two Americas. There's the United States Republic, United States Corporation. 
Interesting, interesting. I, I'm familiar with some of that too, because I know about the I know the the zip codes is zone of improvement or something like that. That's what it starts. And um I know uh that also like each state is also a corporation and, and they're not even where like the state isn't located in the state. The state is actually located in DC, the District of Columbia, and like how they're um how they're all just I, I know about that theory. I, can you explain? Can you go deeper into it? Like, are you like super so, into like the conspiracy or, or not? So a lot of it is like in the courts and the judicial. Mm -hmm. And just to, just imagine um, any type of, of court case: the state of Texas, the state of New York, mm -hmm. versus the the person individual. However, you live in New York State. I was born in Texas. I was not born in the state of Texas. I was born in Texas. So that's where the distinction comes in, but we never pay attention to it or see it. Um, and I haven't gotten into the whole um, deep dive into how the states are separated. I do know that we're separated. The, the states are two different, actually, they're three different corporations, state of Texas, Texas, and uh, or each state, you know, uh, state mm -hmm. name, state of state name. And I forgot the third one. Um, so there's three different entities for each state. But they all have sovereignty from the United States uh, as far as their own individual thing. But again, they're kept in the umbrella. So, um, and this also this also has to um, go to deal with like um, how when like uh, the United States creates you as a corporation too. Like when they have your name in bold letters, that's mm. when is a corporation and stuff like so, that so so that's a little uh grayish area it it usually is yes written in capital letters but you're the the state doesn't make or the united states doesn't incorporate you your parents incorporate you by accident when they, sign off. When, yeah. when they do the birth certificate when they yeah. send it off um and by doing that you get registered uh that i forget the name of the trust i see this it's it's a french word french name uh so it, it there's there's a whole rabbit hole of different ways to go into it, and but again, anyone born in the states that are in the United States is not a U.S. citizen. You have to naturalize to become a U.S. citizen. That's one thing. The IRS and there's two IRSs. There's Department of Treasury Internal Revenue Service, and then there's the IRS that taxes you. If you look at the anything letter that you get from the IRS, it does not say anything about Department of. It's its own entity, just like the Federal Reserve Bank is not part of the United States. It's not part of the government. It's two separate private corporations. Weren't they both started at the same time after Jekyll Island? Um, I, I know the uh, the Federal Reserve Bank was after Jekyll Island. The IRS, I forget when it separated when it was created uh, to do the taxation of income tax because originally it was only there was only corporate tax, and then Jekyll Island uh, with J.P. Morgan. Um, Carnegie, someone else, and I forgot who else. Um, Mel, I think Mellon. I want to say Mellon. Um, a bunch of big names and some congressmen decided to create the Federal Reserve Bank and the personal income tax. The personal income tax came later, though. Uh, and again, it, it kind of ties in with the 14th Amendment uh, that it technically freed slave, but it enslaved all people residing in the states of the United States of America. Um and so the IRS, not Department of, but their IRS that taxes you can only tax you as citizens. And so it's a convoluted way, but basically whenever the IRS says, hey, you owe us back taxes, you owe us X, Y, or Z, 
you write them certain type of letter formatted saying essentially, I am not a U.S. citizen. Prove to me I'm a U.S. citizen or fuck off, basically. And then you'll get a letter back. Oh, you know, we our records weren't correct. You no longer have any delinquencies. You no longer have anything else. And they will never fuck with you again. Um, so did you, you also... go through the process of like becoming a naturalized citizen? Because that's what you're talking about, right? Uh, no. So that you're you're asserting your rights as a state national. That's totally mm -hmm. different from the whole idea. That's when you become a state yourself. Right, you have to do your own trust. So there, there's a bunch of different steps. So you got to do like one, two, three, all these other things. And I'm okay. having a problem because I changed my name legally. So I'm legally I'm Gallo Chingon. My birth Get the name. Fuck out and, of here. Yeah. So, <laughs> so going to Department of Homeland Security and telling them, hey, prove to me that I'm not a U.S. citizen. They keep it's, it's going back and forth with them. So I've been having a problem, but I know other people that have been able to go through and get the letter from. Uh, DHS saying, hey, we have no records showing that you are a U.S. citizen. That mm. you can go then change your passport. Your passport will make your change your status to where you cannot be stopped or detained unless you fuck up and say certain keywords. So if you get stopped or pulled over, you have a right to travel. You don't have to have a license to travel in your um, personal vehicle, personal mm. property. But if you say a motor vehicle, or if you say um, driving, then you fall under the jurisdiction of the DMV. And then that's the whole thing. And it's, it's I mean, there's so many rabbit holes that you kind of got to weave through and kind of learn and understand law to be able to, and sorry, not law, uh, US statutes. There is no law. There's natural law. And then there's United States codes, um, state statutes and city ordinances that govern how most citizens um, live their life. So- it's definitely I mean, we a, could do a whole episode on just this shit, dude. I I'm, no, yeah, I'm I didn't know that you, I didn't know that you were into this stuff. Now I wish we would, I would have just did the whole episode about all that instead of. Uh... Come back again another time when your camera's oh, yeah, got a full battery. No, yeah, definitely, definitely. But um, so um, damn. So what else? So other than this conspiracy, so are you a conspiracy theorist or no? You just into this type of stuff? Like you're. I'm into I'm into, the... I'm into a bunch of different things. Um, there's a whole Stanley Kubrick thing in the moon that mm -hmm. I. Don't believe we went to the moon when we say we went to the moon. I think it's possible that we did. But then on the other hand, I'm seeing some stuff that flat earth could be a thing. If you look at the NASA logo for the U.S. map, if you look at the U.N. logo of the map, the way the map is laid out is not the way the map or the globe would be, is, is described, right? Mm -hmm. And then also, um, if you look at flight, flight plans, flight patterns, um, you know, it going from like... Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, like Brazil to South Africa. Um, yeah, like those lines on the globe. Say, yeah. On the globe, it would go straight across, right? No, it goes up to like Europe and then comes back down. It looks like an arc. But if mm -hmm. you put it on that flat Earth map, it's a straight line or mostly yeah. straight line. You know, and and there's a bunch of little things like that. I'm like, hmm, I I don't know. There's I'm I'm not a hundred on that. I'm not a hundred on the on the flat Earth. Like I, I think it could be possible. Like that Who thing. Knows? Okay, so. For me, because I, I, I'm kind of like the flat earth thing is like, uh, I don't know. But I would say this. The the flight path thing, I'm I'm like, all right, that's interesting. I, I, I dig that. Like, yeah, if they have if when they make the emergency stops and they end up on some whole random ass fucking place. And it's like, why would we stop here unless it's the flat earth? Right. But mm -hmm. um, as far as like the maps and stuff, like. 
how else would I depict a globe? You get it? I have to make it flat. I have to make it two dimensional. So it's like I don't well, I don't even, like the the map part. You get it? But well, I so like even the, a regular map is mm. is off. Um, I forgot because it's a uh, crap. If you look at it's the Eurocentric, map, yeah, Eurocentric to where Africa is smaller than where it is. Uh, Iceland or Greenland are bigger than what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every, all the things that are made to look like the dominant countries are bigger than what they actually are. And if you get, uh, and there's no good way to do a globe map because even the one that looks kind of like um, different banana peels. I don't know if you ever seen that one that looks kind of like um, oh, crap. I forgot what it's called. Let's see. Mm. I'll look it up. What's that? Uh, the, uh... I mean, I, I don't even know the words. But crap, of course, this pen doesn't write. Um, and of course, the only way you're going to see this if you were watching the video, you're um, what do you call it? Uh, listening, you're gonna it, it looks like a bunch of like W's. I don't know if you can see that, okay, uh, kind of. Are kind of like that the Wu Tang logo, the way the W is, but oh, like the Charlie Brown, like a... Charlie the Brown. Char- I never heard that one. The Charlie Brown mm-hmm. logo, the, the you know the yellow, how uh, in the yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so yeah, kind of like the the yeah the zigzag of that, but they have like little peaks, like curved peaks on then. Oh, fuck, what's it called? Damn it! Now it's gonna bug the shit out of me. No, that's not the right one. No, damn it. Did I, did I give you permissions? Let me see. How would I do that now? Maps, what are they called? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Mer- the Mercator projection is the one that we're most common with. That's the one that we almost see everywhere when it's um, flat. Let's see, where can I see? Oh, come on, show me the full size. Uh, Malawi climatic note. Robinson, where is the nope? Not political. Not topography. Damn it! World map projections. There we go. Okay. Okay. Dun-dun-dun. Yeah, Mercator is the most prominent one, where Africa looks like just slightly larger than South America, which is not right. Um, Robinson is a little closer to accurate. No, I've never seen that one before. Hmm. Uh, um, Gall Peters, that's the one that's um, most accurate-ish. Goods. So look, goods with an E, homo locine. H-O-M-O-L-O-S-I-N-E. Um, you know, there, there's so many versions of the map, but nothing's actually accurate. Good. Because, Sorry, what? Know, what was it? Um, what was it? The good, G-O-O-D-E, H-O-M-O-L-O-S-I-N-E. Mm-hmm. Projection, okay. Yeah, and then that one kind of... Um, Okay. At least like on, on oh, older, yes. I've older, seen this. I've seen this. Yeah. But, but the ones I've seen before kind of have more points to it. Like it, it looks weird. It's, the, the continents are usually chopped up in that one because it, it basically goes off of the longitudinal nines 
and it kind of chops it up like that and, and spreads it open or whatever. Um, but either way, you know, the, then look at, okay, then I'll look at, uh, what is it, NASA logo and UN logo. So if you look at the UN logo, the way the flat earth is projected on it, and you trace the flight paths, those flight paths make more sense the way they're they're done. Oh, no, 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 sorry, NASA. Uh, the NASA logo would be in person, but it's the world. Let's see, where is that one at? Oh, well. So but I got the, the... the UN logo. Yeah. So there's that one. But I remember it being more cut, more jagged. Like it was points at the top and bottom, and it would cut into the continents. Uh, and I remember some news channel, maybe it could have been the Spanish news or whatever, but it, it had that like in the background for a couple of years, like in the early 80s. Uh, but then look at the United Nations logo or just UN logo. Mm -hmm. And see how the flat earth is and if you, or see how the map is there. And if you draw a line for say, uh, South uh, or Brazil, and then go to South Africa, and then compare flight path of uh, on a new tab flight path uh, Brazil to South Africa, and you'll see that the flight path looks like uh, a V or an upside down V where it goes from South Africa up to like Europe and then down back to whatever, and it doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh. Flight path. Well, here it shows. Here is just showing um a straight shot. Yeah, look at uh. Oh, okay, it? okay. I see another picture. Um, mm -hmm. The images are loading up. My computer is kind of slow. Sorry, guys. That's already activity. Damn it. That's just straight to Europe. Um, light path, light pattern. I see. But, so it does make a V, but the exaggerated V is this one. So you see this V right here from Johannesburg yeah. to Rio de Janeiro, I'm guessing. And if you, if you go down and across, well, if you clicked on something, but and that was a radio wave. But there, I've seen a bunch of them where it's that bottom one above your Apple TV logo. Um, if you see that, I've seen the flight pass, but that's basically like radio something. Um, wait, which one? This one right here with the down one. Okay, yes, that's but, but that's uh, that's the one I was saying. This one looks exaggerated. Like, why would they make that stuff? Like, maybe this V is more reasonable. The top, the first one to the left, but. See why, like, why would it make this out like this crazy ass stop? So it's gonna stop basically where in London, not London. Was that like a like like south of UK somewhere? Yeah, oh, crap. I of course now I can't find it. But there was a bunch of them that were. Uh, let's see, round Earth. Light paths. Who knows? But anyways, this is just a rabbit hole again. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, just uh, longest nonstop flights. Hmm. But they're not showing the flight paths like they. 
Um, anyways. Well, yeah, so you're, so you're into, you're, you're not shy of conspiracies then. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I, I will say this, and I'm going to say it here. I've said it plenty of other places. If I ever look like I was a suicide, like I abhor suicides. Like if I look like I was a suicide, I was murdered, period, mm. period. Like me personally, anybody that kills himself, everything they've ever done should just be erased. Like they should not be acknowledged, period. Like um, Anthony Bourdain, Damn, bro, anybody like that, fuck, fuck all their TV shows they've been on, Damn. fuck all their body of work that, you know, they spent a life wasting my air. And then they're going to go kill themselves. Fuck it. You know, they don't deserve to be recognized, period. That's just my – and matter of fact, on top of that, suicide hotlines should be how to do it without leaving a mess. That's – that. like, fuck it. Like, there's too many people on earth to begin with. So quit wasting my time and get out of here. Now, if you want attention, well, I'll give you a, a number to call and feel better and have mental health. But, dude, I – dude, I – so that's – so just so you know how much I despise suicides – so if I ever look like a suicide, you know it was a fucking hit. Period. So, what's the reason for this for this strong stance of suicide? Man, is it because of your own struggles with mental health, or is it? Um... You know what? It's not even. It's not. Okay, I I did contemplate thinking about suicide when I was like eleven or twelve over stupid shit like some girl didn't want to date me and my cousins didn't invite me to a quince and some friends didn't want Damn, me to go how with the them to a party. Invite you to the quince, like maybe? like it was like it was all like it was like five or six different things that hurt my feelings and oh you know whatever it made me cry one particular weekend when I was eleven or twelve and there was also like the revelation that I had that you know fuck it the worst thing a girl can say is no and that's where I decided. Fuck that. Fuck everybody. So that's been my resolve, like anything. The second time I thought about it that I can remember was when my wife passed away. Like, I didn't want to be here. And I said, nope, I've already, I've already, I've already stand 10 toes on this statement before. Like even before my wife passed away, I've said, I will never kill myself. I will never do it. Blah, 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 blah. And if I can make it past this, this part where my wife died, where this pain, this hurt is the worst thing I've ever had. If I can make it past that, then everybody else should be able to get through their pain and sorrow and wallow. Now, I get mental health plays into it and does all this other stuff that makes you not realize or amplify feelings that you have. I understand that. But at the same time, life is too valuable. Mm -hmm. your, my life, your life, everybody's life is valuable. To decide to end it on someone else, you know, then I feel like you're if you're going to throw your life away – by killing yourself, then I feel like everything you've done should be thrown away too. Like you don't deserve to be recognized for all this other stuff. Same with like um, school shootings. Like the shooters should name should never be mentioned. Name should never like they should not get any play time. Mm -hmm. Like hey, there was a school shooting, blah blah blah. Twelve kids died. Period. There shouldn't be this whole thing of like a investigative report or a uh, documentary series or even a movie about hey, what made this kid decide to kill these other people. Let's focus on mental health. Let's help people out at a young age to deal with things going on, but don't coddle them. That's another problem that I've seen is that we keep coddling everybody like, oh no, you're no, Timmy, you're hurt. Like the, the women I date, you know, I see them deal with their kids and I give me five minutes and I just, I don't lay into the kid, but I tell them, Hey, grow the fuck up. Quit being a fucktard is basically the advice that I give them. And they kind of like, oh. Okay, I, I can I can either do this for myself or you know whine and pity and have my mom do it for me. And a lot of times, kids are so used to their parents or their moms. Usually, it's the moms 
that are babying them. And then when they go out into society, they're fucking useless. They can't even order a pizza on the phone. They can't, you know, pay a bill. They don't know what they got to do. Like the whole, there's a thing on TikTok of kids asking stupid questions like, hey, why is Thanksgiving always on Thursdays? Or, um, uh, you know, where do I buy pasta water? Like water to boil your pasta. Like they think that you gotta, you have, you have to have special water to boil your pasta. Like just random shit. Like how do you not know how to live your life? How did your, what the fuck, you know? But whatever. That is a weird one. thing, right? Like uh, in life now, like stupidest thing that kids don't even know. It's like, bro, like just like. But it's the parents' fault. I'm not saying it's the kids' fault. It's these parents that are fucking babying their kids. And I hate, I don't fucking hate to say it. It's usually white people. It's usually white people's kids that are fucktards. Latin kids and 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 BIPOC, whatever the fuck. Um, non 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 white people. There are some kids that are like that, but not as many as you see. Like if you see the shit on TikTok, it's almost always white kids that can't do shit. They always have these problems that don't know how to do, live mm. life. You know, black kids. I mean, we gotta. You struggle. Like you got and. Uh, I, I can go on. I, I never noticed Dude. that fact. It is usually like when it's like those silly like questions, like why am I just realizing or like why is yeah. And another thing about being poor, and there was a, there's this meme about, um, you don't know the struggle if you never had this as a meal, where it's a, a slice of white bread and a weenie, a whole weenie. I'm like, fuck you. All I had was corn tortillas. I had a choice of either salt on my corn tortillas or beans on my corn tortillas. If I had a weenie, I sliced that motherfucker two times, made it in a quarter so I could get four tacos out of that. I would not waste one whole weenie on one taco. Are you fucking kidding me? I, was, I wasn't I was rich enough to fucking just have a whole weenie at one meal. Are you fucking kidding? No, I had to spread it out. So You got to chop that don't, up. Don't, don't come to me with like, oh, you don't know the struggle, bitch. You don't know the struggle. Fuck you. Anyways. Oh, yeah, or, or, or fucking ramen rice. Well, I don't know if you got ramen rice over there, but like a locria, but it's no meat. So you just throw the ramen noodles in that bitch mm -hmm. and some canned corn or some shit. Got to mix it up. I mean, I was making spreads before I knew what a spread was. So, you know, <laughs> then I go to Sorry. go to jail for a couple of weekends. I'm like, ooh, OK, I could, I could do this. I don't want to, but I know how to eat now. OK, so what what can the people expect from Gajo now moving forward? Like, do you have anything to promote? Like, what's going on with you, bro? I know you've been doing some behind the scenes work, so. um, Shit, I'm going to just hate on everybody. Like, fuck it. I, I, I don't want to do TikToks just to fucking rant and be an asshole. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I want to start a whole new one. And I'm not even going to show it here, but I'm going to hide my face and just be just violent, like verbally violent. Because like, oh, shit. OK, dude. Just, just get, try to cancel me. Fuck you. Try to cancel me. Cause I don't care. But, okay, um, okay. you know, and, and there's two sides to that because there's this anger that I have against the whole world just because I'm a widow and people are not compassionate and not realizing that life is fucking precious. Like, you know, and your people are not you, I'm saying y'all people in general, the world in general mm -hmm. is, is kind of like. Oh, well, I can, I can do that tomorrow. I can put off and being procrastinators and, and I'm guilty of it too. I'm not saying I'm not, but most people are more apt to be being procrastinators and not appreciating what they have right now in their life, not appreciating their partner, not appreciating their significant other and getting quickly to, to get angry at them or at their kids. Um, you know, I lost my wife after four years and I thought we were going to be together until we were in our seventies. 
And, you know, I took that for granted. We did do a lot of things together in the short time that we were together, but still most people don't realize how short and precious life is. I could die five, 20 minutes from now. Whenever we get off this thing, I could have a heart attack and fall over. But don't believe that because fucking I'm, I'm in good health. Like uh, I've only had COVID and pneumonia in my entire life and um, chicken pox. So I don't get sick. So if I have a heart attack, that's kind of sus. But, you know, somebody could try to break into the house and just kill me. Who knows? I, I could die tonight before I go to sleep. So with that being said, would I be happy with the life that I live? Would I be happy with what I did today? Yes. But are you? Would you be happy with the things that you did today? You, the listener, not just you, Sonny, but I'm talking about just in general. Live every day like it's going to be your last. And that's one thing that bothers me that people don't. So, in a sense, I also kind of wish COVID or the next big thing, this whole white lung thing, fucking just takes out as many people as possible so they learn to appreciate life. That's a new thing now, white lung? Uh, it's something that I heard about about a month ago. Supposedly, it's uh, like really bad pneumonia. It, you get sick and it lasts for about a month. Who knows? But uh, anyways. Hey, man, there has been something going around, a little random cough. I, I just got that shit. It lasts more than a week. Did go see something about um, there's some natural remedies for uh, mucus breaking up. And I forgot what it was. I have it saved somewhere. Um, either TikTok or, or YouTube oh, like or whatever. Silazine or some shit like that. No, Did it's they recommend um, for the for the smokers to clear out your lungs. No, it's a like natural. It's like um, I don't know. It's no, yeah, it's a, it's a onions and, and yeah, diced up onions and honey and like a little bit. Oh, of not a, lemon. that's a harabe. Yeah, like like a harabe, but it, but it's basically I forgot what it was in it. Like something else in it, like maybe cinnamon or cayenne pepper or something. It's like four or five different things mixed up, and it'll help break up the the mucus um, if you have it more than a week. So if you got a cough that's lasting more than a week. And you're not coughing up, you feel like you can. It'll help. It should help break it up, but I gotta find it again. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a too severe of a cough. It's just like randomly at night. Well, I, it is also my apartment gets really dry at mm. nighttime, so I think it's just that really. But um, okay, so so you're gonna go on this whole like create this whole new arc or alter ego. Well, not even alter ego, because one thing that we didn't really talk about. Is like your whole machismo thing, and mm -hmm. uh, it, it's it was funny because uh, after talking with you, like I had like a whole different perspective on it, and I was in a chat room one day, and there were these women talking, and they were like, "Oh yeah, that's what's wrong with the men, like the machismo and all that." And then I I wanted to butt in and say, "Oh no, actually, machismo is actually about putting the woman first. Well, not the the woman, the family first, mm -hmm. like you said, te and teaching the the son that he's actually has to." work for these things and like mm -hmm. uh put him at the that's, bottom yeah and that's a traditional version the 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 bastardized version is what everybody sees on tv is like you know oh men beating their wives and doing x y and z and yeah whatever and you know that and it's triggering for because i was on a, another podcast a couple of weeks ago that uh you know i was describing what we usually see in our home is like the the father could have a side chick and you know as long as the side chick doesn't come around but she's only supposed to be a piece of ass but if she is more than that and they can't have a kid but if you do have a kid that kid can't come around and blah 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 and then when the father passes away you got this whole ass family that shows up to the funeral and the original family the married family doesn't even know about you know that kind of thing and that's kind of what happens because 
people in general abuse power, you know, everybody, not just men, not just women, but everybody, whenever you have a little bit of power, whenever you have something that you can do something of, it gets abused. Um, but traditionally the way machismo was, was just basically the, um, Mexicanized version or the uh, version of, um, being a gentleman, being gallant, being the the upper class of Spaniard side of society of, you know, providing and taking care of your family. But the only way the poor people could is just working and the stress of working and having to take care of your family is harder than just being a rich person and just, oh, here, just sprinkle a little money here and there. So. Right now, yeah, I get it, man. It was just like, it was funny to me that I was like, oh man, they're getting it wrong. They just think it's, because um, I think it gets, um, it definitely, uh, machismo is definitely being like co-opted into like this whole like red pill thing that people are mm -hmm. talking about nowadays. Well, so I, um, let the people know where they can find you and uh, the podcast and everything and all the links. Well, I'm going to have yeah. all the links down in the description, but just let them know. Yeah, the, the, the easiest way is just sucias.xyz, S-U-C-I-A-S dot X-Y-Z. Um, all my socials, the podcast itself is linked there. Uh, it's now called Sucias. It was Sucias are my favorite, so you might be able to find it one way or another, but a lot easier just Sucias. And uh, if you want to shoot me a text and complain at me or call me a dumbass or have a question, you know, I'll, I'll always answer. I won't answer as soon as I get it because, you know, I've been like getting away from uh, technology. So my phone, I don't even have it in here, but it's a dumb phone. It's not, um, it's that punked MPO2 phone. So all I can do is call and text on it. That's it. No, nothing. Mm -hmm. And of course it's not linked to that phone. I have to get, it's a Google voice number. So I have to like log onto my computer to be able to reply to you. So, but I will get back to you and um, you might like what I have to say, or we might have a conversation, whatever. I'm not afraid. We can, we can shoot the shit whenever you want. Yeah, that's what I said. You the listener. No, yeah, no, no. <laughs> well, send me the number. I'm going to have a link that in the description too, so y'all can but, get a guy if y'all need to. But just like that, guys, it's been a great episode of Sunny Talk. Yo, guys, I appreciate you stopping uh, again. And make sure you guys check out the first episode too. We had a, we had, we, we really deep dive back then. Like, we, we went into the whole yeah. bunch of stuff. But um, just like that, guys, we'll see you next time. Peace. All right. Sorry if I cut you off. Did you want to say something else? I could edit it and have you. Oh no! Uh, okay, I was gonna say thanks for having me on. But okay, okay. I was like ah, shit! Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Glad to be back on. Okay, man. I appreciate you too, man. And just like that, guys, we out of here. Peace.